All right, we are back. Let's talk a little bit about um, public records and the misuse of them. And no, I don't mean Hillary Clinton. Well, I do want to note that with all of the, the fuss over Hillary Clinton and how she's supposedly not getting prosecuted by the, the FBI for her misuse of emails, uh, my friend Janice posted on Facebook a wonderful little picture <laughs> posing the question, so Hillary can't be president because she used her own email? Tell me again how outraged you were when in 2007, Bush and Cheney were caught deleting 20 million emails on an illegal, secret, private email server hosted by the Republican Party. I agree. If you were outraged over that, then you can be outraged over Hillary Clinton. If you weren't outraged over that, then shut up. But actually, in this case, I'm referring to another scandal, that of suspended UC Davis Chancellor Linda Katehi. This correspondent has been associated, I'm proud to say, with UC Davis for, good God, the better part of five decades. I would say that in that time frame, I can't think of anything that's more embarrassing to this institution than this woman. We need to refer back to a June 3rd piece in the Sacramento Bee by Sam Stanton and Diana Lambert that noted that as investigators aim to complete their probe of suspended UC Davis Chancellor Linda Katehi by August 1st, the university has again postponed releasing public documents sought by the B. The university had at first said the documents be re- would be released by June 1st, the latest, then backtracked and said that, um, well, the best they can do now is July 20th. Article notes that public records advocates question how the university can justify withholding all the documents requested, especially when some appear to be readily accessible. They note that the Public Records Act does not contain any provision allowing for records to be withheld simply because an investigation is underway. Senior senior counsel for the Center for Public Law Interest, Ed Howard, said that's ridiculous. They don't get to rewrite the law to prevent themselves from being embarrassed either in real court or in the court of public opinion. Public records don't belong to them. They belong to us. This woman is an embarrassment and has to go, and the university's pussyfooting around the whole issue is not to their credit. I had to laugh at a previous editorial in the Sacramento Bee, which covered a lot of the controversies around Katehi pretty well. They titled it, How Katehi Can Rebuild UC Davis's Credibility, but The university's credibility is not at stake. Hers is. But I think it might be worth it to quote a bit from that editorial. They note that Katei was already notorious as the chancellor on whose watch students were pepper sprayed at a peaceful sit-in back in 2011. She spent months in one embarrassing firestorm after another. First, she joined and then resigned from the board of a for-profit college that was under federal investigation. That was DeVry University. Then, university records showed she had also held a paid board seat on a company that publishes textbooks. Gee, there's no conflict there for a chancellor. Then, documents obtained by the Sacramento Bee under the California Public Records Act showed the university had hired image consultants to bury references to the pepper spray incident and the university's and Katehi's connection to it. Since then, other questions have come up. Her tenure on an unpaid advisory board to a Saudi university accused of paying scholars to cite it in research. Also, UC Davis's employment of Katehi's daughter-in-law, son, and husband. Also, the question of the influence at the University of Major Donors. And the lengthy delay in complying with the Public Records Act requests for documents on those and other issues. 
Kadehi swung by the Sacramento Bee back in April to suggest to them that, well, you should trust me. She said that she is creating an internal team to vet her board commitments and other community involvement. And a, quote, transparency board, unquote, to improve her communications. She also promised to engage the campus more openly on issues such as budget and to talk more to the community about the future of the university, blah, blah, blah. I do like the part about putting together an internal investigative team. This reminds me of a bit from the old National Lampoon Radio Hour. It was referring back to Watergate, where at one point the FBI had been called in to investigate matters, including its own misdeeds, which caused Chevy Chase to come up with a little number where he said, in the classic style of police with a megaphone talking to the criminal holed up in a building, All right, I know I'm in there. If I don't come out with my hands up, I'm coming in there after me. The editorial board the B went on to refer to uh, Katehi as a risk taker, noting that it was a risk to join the DeVry University Board because for-profit colleges have for years fought allegations that they overcharge poor students for dubious credentials. Similarly, it was risky to claim, as she does, that the search engine that the search engine optimization firms were hired after the pepper spray incident only to improve the social media competency of her staff and boost a more comprehensive picture of UC Davis. The contract, which went a lot further than that, which she riskily blames solely on subordinates, calls for eradication of references to the pepper spray incident for the university and chancellor. She insists she had zero interest in cleaning up her own reputation and nothing to do with the scope of work language. We'd also like to return to the June 21st issue of The Bee, piece by Diana Lambert, wherein she outlined how Katehi is refusing to turn over her university-issued cell phone, iPad, and laptop to the UC Office of the President for use in its investigation of her conduct. And not only is she not cooperating, she's going on a PR offensive with a lawyer and a PR spokesperson. Kentucky's lawyer, Melinda Guzman, seized on the news release showing that UC President Janet Napolitano had mounted a $158,000 internet publicity campaign to suppress criticism of a scathing state audit. Well, it just shows the utter hypocrisy of Napolitano's continuing investigation of UC Davis says Linda Katehi for the same issue. Guzman was quoted as saying, Linda Katehi will never receive fair treatment under this investigation. This morning's astonishing revelation that Napolitano herself spent UC funds for similar so-called internet scrubbing is further proof the UC president does not have clean hands on this matter. This also caused Katehi's spokesperson, Larry Kamer, to ask, shouldn't someone at the UC office of the president be placed on administrative leave because of this? You know, these issues of what's going on at UC and some questionable tactics of, well, let's just say providing seats to people that pay more money, i.e. foreign students, is uh, something that doesn't pass the smell test. I think that's what they were trying to scrub when the UC went into their own efforts uh, to improve their PR. But even assuming that's true, how does that make Katehi look better? Well, of course it doesn't. We're sad to know we will continue to follow this circus at UC. We really want to take a minute to support the people that are calling for Katehi to go. That's, that's a good idea. And uh, in some other scandalous matters going on here in the Golden State of California, apparently lawmakers are pretty mad at the light treatment given that Stanford student that 
raped an unconscious drunk female some months back. There are bills in our legislature that would increase penalties for assaulting unconscious victims and redefine rape. There's probably a lot of good that'll come of this, but we do have to raise the issue of is the public best served by taking people who behave in an admittedly reprehensible fashion and putting them in prison for long periods? As you will recall, California has been seeking to reduce the prison population, which has been swollen in no small part due to tougher sentencing laws that were approved back in the 80s and 90s. Remember that? We're going to take all the drug dealers, throw them in jail, throw away the key, and life will get a lot better in the state of California. Well, it hasn't worked out that way. Anyway, that was a quote from a piece by Jeremy B. White in The Bee. And we we do like The Bee, which is why we quote from it frequently. The piece notes that AB 2888, sponsored by Senator Mark Leno, um, was voted for by liberal lawmakers who are typically skeptical of increasing criminal penalties. Leno's bill, and by the way, Leno has for years pushed to do away with mandatory felony sentences for drug crimes, noted the current law imposes harsher penalties for sexual assaults that entail the use of force. Well, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I do think people should get angry over miscarriages of justice. But let's say this jackass swimmer at Stanford was given a 10-year prison sentence instead of six months. Is the state of California going to get $400,000 worth of justice out of this guy? I don't think so. Anyway, not trying to defend, you know, rapists here, but it has been my sorry observation that when the public gets riled up over something and reacts emotionally and our le- legislators jump in to get tough on people, it doesn't always work out the way we'd hope. And in other legal matters, um, we were somewhat surprised to note that IKEA is now recalling 29 million chests and dressers after at least six toddlers were crushed to death in tip-over accidents. As someone who's shopped at Ikea in the past, I I was uh, a little surprised by the 29 million figure. It is worth noting that Lars Peterson, president and chief executive of Ikea USA, said the recalled furniture was never intended to be freestanding and should be secured to walls with provided straps, a step he called an integral part of the assembly instructions. He added, if you are assembling correctly, the product is actually a very safe product. Well, it's possible to see both sides there. You're instructed to strap your furniture to the wall. You decide not to do it. Then your kid pulls over the dresser on top of him. I mean, to some degree, that's Ikea's fault. But to some degree, it's the parent's fault. Let's do some happier news from the legal front that the Supreme Court struck down a Texas law that restricted abortion clinics. Thank God. That law was blamed for closing three out of four abortion clinics in Texas. Naturally, Roberts, Thomas, and Alito formed a minority uh, opinion saying that, you know, the law should be kept in place. But uh, the court's majority ruled that the great weight of evidence demonstrated that abortion in Texas was extremely safe even before passage of the state's law, which, which, with particularly low rates of serious complications and virtually no women dying on account of the procedure. Thus, there was no significant health-related problem that the new law helped to cure. Thus, the Supreme Court justices apparently agreed 
with the attorneys for Whole Women's Health, who contended that this Texas law imposed an undue burden on both patients and practitioners. Yes, we want to especially uh, thank Anthony Kennedy for coming down on the five majority. Now, we certainly enjoy uh, taking our pot shots at the legislature here in California State Capitol. And we also like to take pot shots at what we see as a disturbing trend toward political correctness. So this next item is perfect for us. Writing in the buzz section of the B, Jeremy B. White asks, Historical figures or hateful avatars? How do you see former leaders of the Confederacy? Depends much on your perspective. Extending a debate that has swirled from Charleston to California, the California Assembly last Monday passed a resolution that would urge Congress to strip the names of Confederate leaders from federal property. The author, State Senator Steve Glazier, Democrat of Orinda, last year pushed a bill to erase Confederate place names in California that could have renamed Fort Bragg, a tiny town on California's northern coast that's known more for its beach of polished glass fragments than for being named after General Braxton Bragg. Thankfully, Governor Jerry Brown vetoed Glacier's bill, calling it an issue quintessentially for local decision makers. But plenty of lawmakers think it's an issue for members of Congress. Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, Democrat of San Diego, argues that nixing such names nationwide would communicate that, quote, we do not tolerate, celebrate, or welcome displays of oppression, hatred, or bigotry in public-funded spaces. Assemblyman Das Williams, Democrat of Santa Barbara, argued that by continuing to honor Confederate leaders who fought against our country to defend the institution of slavery, we perpetuate a long flirtation in this nation with a selective, I would say, abjectly false nostalgia. Well, we don't have much patience for nostalgia over the Confederacy, we'll have to admit. But I have to ask, how are we harmed by Fort Bragg being named after a Confederate general? Anyway, I guess stuff like this keeps our legislators from getting into even greater mischief. And you know what? I think I need a break. How about you, dear listener? Let's take one. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.